Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six of In the Zone. I'm Giancarlo Alino, and of course, we're here with the co-hosts of the hour, Anthony Piniello, Chris Martelli, and uh, we are available on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, MixCloud, and on January 1st, we will have all our episodes up on YouTube. But guys... WWE, let's start off with this because uh, there were some taped episodes this week for the Christmas holidays. But I, I want to focus on Tuesday Night SmackDown because the ending was uh, a little interesting. We had Vince McMahon go up to AJ Styles and said, "You want? I want that inner animal to come out of you. <laughs> and he <laughs> smacked him across the face. That soccer mom haircut went flipping a little bit. Oh, perfect. And oh, then man. AJ... Retaliated. You want to see the inner animal? He punched a 72-year-old man, knocked him down. The security comes in, asks Vince McMahon, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm okay. I think I'll be fine. Yeah. So uh, what did you guys think of that? And where do you think this is going with AJ Styles? Wow. Um, I remember the Rusev match was like cutting it close. And I'm like, okay, this is main eventing. There was maybe five minutes there was, left. Yeah, there was, like, <laughs> there was like five minutes left. And then all of a sudden we just see Vince backstage with AJ, and I'm like, "What is? What's this? This is this has to be big stuff." And then that happened, and a lot of people are saying, you know, is this a heel turn or is this like Vince McMahon's plan, and maybe he can potentially come back on television and be a manager for AJ Styles? Because oh, wow. like all the stuff that he said was basically very true, and it got me really excited. Where it's like. If you turn to the dark side and you bring out that anger that Daniel Bryan has, you will basically decimate everybody backstage because you have that skill. So, I mean, if this, like, I really hope this is not a heel turn for AJ Styles because there's way too many heels on SmackDown. Um, but, I mean, like, if this means he's just a more aggressive face, then I'm all in for it. I want to see another push for AJ because. As wrestling fans, I don't think we ever get tired of AJ Styles. So there's certain people you can just roll with forever. Yeah, and he's one of them. One of them. Um, yes. But yeah, um, Vince McMahon's, uh, you know, his uh, input and him being a part of this segment for me like lifted it a lot because we don't see Vince a lot on TV. And ever since you know the whole new faces and we'll give the people what they want type type thing. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I really, I still believe AJ Styles is the his face. He's the face that runs the place. Um, but again, it's going to be interesting to see what happens the next couple of weeks. Not sure if this is a recurring thing that's going to keep going on every week or if it was just a one-off. Assuming he does turn heel, who's the top face after that? Would it be The Miz? True. I mean, isn't The Miz still heel? He's slowly, yeah, they're slowly putting him, it looks like, towards a face because him and Shane now are going to be this team, so... We know that where that's going to end, but they're not really like going full force with the Miz as a face right now, like as a yet. So I think that's a slow turn. But yeah, there's not really too much faces. There's Shinsuke, he turned heel. Can't turn him back now. Not much going on there. <laughs> Samoa Joe is making fun of Jeff Hardy's past of being a drug addict. Or <laughs> I am loving that, by yeah, the way. You can't, so you can't turn him face. Jeff Hardy's and AJ are up there in age. Uh, Rey Mysterio's up there in age. Oh John my. Cena's oh up there in age. God, yeah, give me a break. It's hard to tell off that five-minute segment or whatever it was, but I think it's all building towards the Royal Rumble, and you're looking to look at a AJ Styles classic performance. Yeah, you said that he, he could be the Iron Man, and you think he will be the Iron There's Man. A, Dolph is usually one of those guys. The Miz does it every year. Finn, it was Balor last year. You, you know, 
yeah. Styles, I think he can be one of those guys. But yeah, like looking back and thinking of the faces on SmackDown, the only two that come to mind when it comes to like they could potentially be the top face is Rusev and Mustafa Ali. Yeah. But he just came to SmackDown. Yeah, and you can't turn him unless they really want to push him. But now with Rusev there, who's gonna he's gonna fight now because unless you want to go all in and have Andrade turn face, and then be, there yeah, you go. That'd and be then, interesting too. That's a good dream match. I mean, that's about seven months too late. It's about time. Yeah. I'm down for that. And, uh, in on in NXT was he a face? He was a heel. Yeah, he was okay. A heel with uh, Zelina Vega, One and then the they came heels. up together. Drew McIntyre was a face for that, and then when he won the title, Drew got hurt, and then he made his uh, debut on the main roster as a heel. Yeah, love it. Perfect. It's it's interesting to see though uh, with the whole heels outweighing the faces on WWE television because. It's tough to like basically book things. Like nowadays, we never see heel versus heel. You don't like you. You rarely see that. But like, it's different when you think of like Becky Lynch and Charlotte going at it because both the fans like they love them. Yeah. So like, if you want to have an AJ Styles heel and a Daniel Bryan heel go at it, that's not a problem because the fans love both. Or well, they probably hate Daniel Bryan more. But <laughs> I, I don't see anybody booing AJ Styles. I just don't yeah, see that. They have to break away from that systematic routine. Like, you don't have to have a good guy take on a bad guy all the time. And yeah. it's the same ending. Like, yeah. the Becky and Charlotte was amazing, and everyone's behind that. You got to do that stuff more often. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens now with AJ. I wouldn't be surprised if he is like the Iron Man of the Rumble, but he comes up short. I don't see him winning the Rumble. I don't really think he needs it. So, yeah, that's my... Fun to, yeah, just to go on your point, it'd be fun to see him in it because he debuted in the Royal Rumble, and then the last two years he's been involved in title matches with Cena, and then last year he was in the champion. So should be interesting to see AJ now in the Rumble, where they're going to go with that, who comes out, the different matches we can see in there because... There's a lot of guys he hasn't like fought in the ring. Maybe The Rock comes out and we see AJ and The Rock clash. AJ Shawn Michaels if he's in the match. So, uh, who did he face last year? Styles at Rumble? Was it Cena? No, that was was that 2017. They tore the house down yeah, there. It might have been uh, Owens and Zayn in the triple. That, that yeah, it was that. that was it was that. Which was awesome. So <laughs> I would like I would like to see yeah I would like to see Styles in the Rumble again where he did debut and he made history there, but. Uh, yeah, I don't see him winning the Rumble, though. I just don't see him needing it. Doesn't see him uh, coming up short and then continuing to snap every week on SmackDown like we just saw. I, I like that, yeah. Well, it'd be good booking. So, yeah. That's so, that. Uh, we had the next <laughs> thing that I want to talk to you guys about is uh, NXT guys that are going to be coming up. So, does EC3 become a face of SmackDown? Or do you prefer him in that heel? Because he's a guy who's... He's done both in the past, but if you bring him to SmackDown, there's a lot of interesting things they can do with him as a face. EC3 is a total package guy where he comes up and you, it doesn't really matter, I think, what he is. But to me, he screams heel. Just everything about him is a heel. I don't see him being a face. If he wants to be a face, I know his mic skills are like out of this world, but I wouldn't have him really talk that much to start. Like, like basically come up and like just... Put on pure great wrestling matches or like to the best of your ability, and then eventually I would make him turn heel because I don't see EC3 being a face. That's just my opinion. I don't see it. I don't have much to add to that. I, it also screams Monday Night Raw for me. Yeah. A guy like him with all the star power that he brings. Him on SmackDown and being a face kind of throws me off. I can't really see it right now, to be honest. I don't really know why. 
I so, feel like maybe in the new year, yeah. a guy like Ciampa can come up. Then Lars Sullivan is like another guy as a heel. So what are some of the best booking decisions? Because you guys have been talking about like how you would book this. He see three on Raw. He saw, said he screams Monday Night Raw. So there was a few articles that we were all reading before the podcast about top 10 booking decisions where everyone has their own opinion on what's the best booking decision. So... Chris, I want to ask you first, like, this year has been interesting. It's been, WWE's had a great first half, and then they declined a little bit and had some boring Monday Night Raws where we see Drake Maverick peeing on things. And uh, <laughs> if you were to, like, make up your list of top booking decisions, what would you rank in the top five? Um, well, my number one to me is definitely Becky Lynch kind of emerging as a superstar and um, basically carrying the workload for the women's division for, I'd say, at least the later half of the year. I'd say maybe the last five months has been like all Becky Lynch. So she, to me, that's number one because she went from uh, a superstar that everybody wanted to see be successful and like we weren't getting that to basically just being the best in the whole division and in the whole world, maybe even. And I, I've said in numerous podcasts that I would get put her superstar of the year contender and uh, she's been that effective. Uh, so I would definitely make the whole man uh, character. That's definitely number one for me. Number two is another SmackDown storyline. Daniel Bryan turning heel was something that I just I, ne- I did not see happening, like at least maybe for at least this, like the end of the year. Because Daniel Bryan coming back, he's always been that guy where a lot of like kids that want to be like, I guess, like wrestlers or they want to like, you know, they want to protect themselves they see this guy as an underdog and it's like okay like I want to be like a Daniel Bryan where I can I can beat all the big guys and I can you know live my dream and one day maybe become a WWE champion guys like Eddie Guerrero in the past have done that Rey Mysterio so Daniel Bryan you know having a title match against one of the best faces one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen in AJ Styles all of a sudden the ref gets knocked out and he just low blows Styles like that was a moment I won't forget of the year, and I loved his smirk when he did it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he he won, and, like, the fans, like, they didn't know how to react to that. I didn't even know how to react to that. I was, like, I was happy, but, like, at the same time, I was, like, oh, like, I wouldn't have ended Styles' run here. But, okay, like, it's different. Like, because it, when – it's funny. Me and Pinello, when we went to uh, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown uh, back in August when it was here in Toronto um, – a lot of Daniel Bryan merch was selling and we were basically like, oh, but like the Yes Movement, it's like very stale and like it's old and we don't really care about Daniel Bryan anymore. And then he does this and now we care about him again. So like just basically Daniel Bryan's character change, definitely for me, number two. That's all I'm going to say, though. Just those top two for me were just so good. They were good. I just love how bipolar <laughs> wrestling fans are. That you can just totally write someone off and then like one thing happens and then you're back on board with it. For me, actually, no, I'm going to say number three. I'm going to do one more. It's definitely, it's the emergence of Rousey. I think when you look at the beginning of 2018 and you see, oh, Rousey signed with WWE, like my expectations as a wrestling fan were, okay, she will have that entertainment factor. She will sell out seats like a Lesnar, but will she actually be a good wrestler? And we basically saw at WrestleMania, she's going up against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, two people that not only are part-timers, but they don't have the experience. They don't have that in-ring quality that that Rousey can basically uh, 
like you know improve on and she went out there with Kurt Angle and she tore the house down in her first match um her okay you could say what you want about her women's title run and maybe it hasn't been the greatest but you know her match with Nia Jax and Money in the Bank I thought was pretty good Bliss cashing in on her was great um I loved her match with Charlotte Flair at Survivor Series I thought that was one of the best matches of the year um so basically even like now that we're seeing uh, as the year ends, as like a lot of fans are kind of going against R- Ronda Rousey, it's kind of interesting to see now where her character is going to lead into the new year. Because I do believe she will turn heel eventually. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. So for me, it's the man Becky Lynch is one, Daniel Bryan two, and then Ronda Rousey's uh, emergence is number three for me in 2018. I, I don't want to repeat the same things, <laughs> so these won't be the best. But for me, Seth Rollins, the way he started 2018 after coming off a lackluster 2017, in my opinion. Running the show on Raw, I see Champion doing the open challenge every week, him and Dolph Ziggler with, uh, you know, such an amazing feud and adding Drew McIntyre into that really brought uh, legitimacy back to the show at the time. Also, Samoa Joe, his in-ring work, (laughs) it has declined, but the character level is still elite. And the stuff with AJ Styles, for me, was one of my favorite parts of 2018. Anything Samoa Joe does is just money, and I am on board with anything. I don't care. <laughs> That's how about you, Alino? What was your uh, most uh, thankful moment of the year? Brock Lesnar with that Universal time. Just joking. Uh, <laughs> no, man. No. You know, there's a lot that they did that you know a lot of wrestling fans don't like. Okay, like I don't like this guy being booked or when Roman Reigns and like all that stuff. But they do a lot of good stuff. And one of the things that I really like that they did was finally give the Usos and the New Day and the Bar give them like a good match, like give them some time at a pay per view to go out there and prove why like tag team wrestling is still important. It does serve for many people's careers. It's entertaining. It could be the show stealer, and these guys steal the show all the time. Uh, Drew McIntyre's uh, like work, the way they booked him, I thought that was great. And if I were to choose a third, be tough because yeah, Becky Lynch, the man. But I would have to say Seth Rollins being like the Iron Man of Raw. I think that's a really good uh, thing that they did, the way they booked him, and could lead to great things in the future for him. Well, that's everything for WWE this week. Next week, we're probably going to discuss the Rumble and basically the build for it. So stay tuned with that. But up next we got is I just want to talk about hockey in general. It's not really focusing on the NHL this week. It's kind of – it's NHL and it's World Juniors because it's the greatest time of the year. Boxing Day just passed and we saw a shellacking yesterday. 14-0 Canada over Denmark. We saw guys – I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole Canada roster because that's just going to take forever. But for me, the guys that stood out in this one, Michael DiPietro having a pretty solid outing. But again, you know, he's going to get the win when the offense is just bursting like that. But who was your um, MVP in yesterday's Canada game? Well, for me, it had to be Frost. He was all over the ICC. He's so electric, such a great shot. Love his hockey IQ. He's just such a smart player and uh I don't know, it's hard to judge off one game because it was Denmark and we put up 14 fucking goals. That's not going to happen all the time, but Frost for me was the player of that game. Yeah, definitely for me, Frost. Even like when they scored, his positioning on the ice, like even when he doesn't have the puck, he's always looking for that space to really draw the defenseman out, look for those two-on-ones. 
and then he's finished. So he got that hat trick last night. So he's able to finish and not uh, like just throw away his scoring opportunities. He capitalized on it, and he's going to be a real like pivotal player for this team if they want to win that World Junior gold this year. I just want to say um, quickly, just the um, the amount of improvement that I've seen in Morgan Frost since he got drafted and he got traded, you know, and that he was in the Braden Shen deal. Do you think Philly in the long run is going to win this trade? Because last year we saw Braden Shen, he had 70 points. He had that, that offensive outbreak last season. This year, St. Louis has just struggled mightily. Um, they're, they're, uh, I'd say their chemistry is off. Tarasenko hasn't been good. They're, they're definitely feeling, you know, they're feeling a different type of way. This is a Blues team that I haven't seen struggle in a long time, and now they're struggling. Do you guys think uh, Philly won this deal? Like when you look at it in the long run, wasn't just of how there, Frost has played. Wasn't there another first rounder involved in that deal? At the time, I, it was I don't. Two first? I don't know if there was, but I know. I know the main trade was it was the rights to Frost, and it was um, it was Braden Shen and Yori Laterra going yeah. the other way. Or it was the first in Latera for Shen and maybe another first. I could, I don't know. I'm not sure. But it, the main thing here is Frost going to Philly and Brandon Shen, you know, going to St. Louis. I'll still go to the blue side because, uh, yeah, Brandon Shen, he's a proven player. He's one of those guys that uh, you can put him in any situation and he'll thrive. 70 points in his first year with the Blues. To me, It's a mystery that they're doing so bad now because going into the season, they added O'Reilly and Bozak and... They had the same team pretty much from last year, and I thought they were going to be so much better. So I'm kind of baffled at where they are in the standings, but I'm, I'm still giving it to the Blues. I love Braden Shen. He's such a good player. Another guy that I just want to quickly discuss in that World Junior game was the captain of Canada, Maxime oh, yeah. Comtois. We saw him, um, beginning of the year, he actually made Anaheim out of training camp, and he was, I think, a second rounder in 2017. And what do you guys see... Like from Maxime Comtois in a NHL player ceiling, because when I saw him yesterday, he looked like he could be a Getzlav. Like he definitely, he's got the leadership skills. He's got the two-way game. I think down packed. He's got the size that not a lot of World Junior players have. So what do you guys, uh, what are you guys' expectations on Comtois? I think it's going to take a while for him to ease into the NHL, even given the fact that the Ducks aren't exactly that deep anymore. But um. It's tough to say because a lot of these guys, they have really good tournaments and you just assume they're going to be NHL stars. Yeah. And then you don't hear about them after. So I don't want to jump the gun and say this guy's going to be amazing. He's going to be a superstar and then he just falls off because we've seen that in the past. But I do think he's going to be a player. It's just going to take a couple years. Yeah, I agree there. And like we even saw with Russia in the past with like Neil Yakupov. It's like, oh, yeah, he's Pavel Burry 2.0. That didn't oh, work out yeah. too much, but... There's a lot of players that they have those good uh, World Junior moments. We saw Jordan Eberle, like yeah. all those clutch moments. You think right now he'd be like an elite player in the NHL that everybody is coveting for. But now he's in the last year of his Islanders deal after they traded him from uh, Edmonton, traded him there. And you don't know where he's going to go next year. Like no one's going to pay him $6 million. And that's another player that really fell off after that. But maybe with uh, Maxine, I, I I don't want to really butcher his name, but I think he should shoot for like the top three center because Kessler eventually is going to end up moving out. So I try to replace him and then slowly build up, learn under Getzlaff and Perry and those guys and 
maybe you can take over from when they retire. But yeah, I would shoot for that top three center role. And that, that that's a great that's a great comment because I think Comtois basically. I think he screams like a top six forward in the NHL, but again, his speed is something that he's, he's got to improve on. Like we've seen Dylan Strom, another guy, for example, he's a top three pick. A lot of people are saying he's a bust. I don't label him as a bust. Far from it, actually. You know, he's playing second line on Chicago with Patrick Kane. Um, sometimes speed is not the, it's not the end of the world to not have it. You could have all the the high end skill, the hockey IQ no speed and you can still be an effective player like we were also kind of seeing it with Sam Reinhardt he's not the fastest skater but he's got that IQ and you know he feeds the pill and he gets the job done but the last question I just want to ask about the world juniors is who do you think is the biggest threat to Canada because we've seen Sweden they've won their 45th straight preliminary round but on paper they don't look that good and even the states like they barely beat uh Slovakia yesterday or, or I'm sorry or was it Czech uh hold on here it was. I get them mixed up. Too. Yeah, me too. All the time. <laughs> it I was. It was Slovakia. Yeah. They won two one, and like, yeah, like the states over the years have been incredible. We've we we looked up that fifteen team, that sixteen team with Eichel, Wierenski, all those guys. But nowadays, like, they're not looking that good. The states, like, they have Jack Hughes, who he got one in a, he got one assist in the first game. He's looking pretty good, but like. You said Quinn's not there, right? Quinn is injured. He's not. I don't think he's playing, which is a big loss. But I don't know, man. Like Farabee's there. He's playing for the states, but he hasn't been that good. He didn't look that good yesterday. Yesterday, the MVP was Slovakia's goalie. You, we've seen over the years that there's always that one goalie in this tournament that like saves like 99 of 100 shots, and like their team, like we're going into the tournament, it's like, oh, this team sucks. They have no chance to like making it to the semifinals. So who do you guys think is the biggest threat to Canada? Because after the first night, Canada's running away with this. They're running away with this tournament. So, I mean, I'm excited, but I want to see a little more competition here. I think Kapokako is the biggest threat. They just got to watch whenever they play that team. Look for him on the ice because even looking at the draft reports on him, he's going to be a threat to any team. He's great offensively. He does a lot of things, making his teammates better, I think. Watch him, and that's your threat. Because Jack Hughes on the states, like I, I agree with you guys. They're not. They've declined a little bit, so they're not up to that level where when they had Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, and Dylan Larkin on the team. Now they're at a level where they're in a rebuilding phase again. They're trying to build up that generational talent again. So I think Jack Hughes is just by himself on that, too much better than his teammates. So I'm gonna have to go with Kapokako. <laughs> I don't know if he's on the same line or not, but uh, Eli Tolvanen may lead that tournament in scoring yeah he's got Um, an nhl shot my initial thought was the states though but i haven't looked at the team but the last few years they're just they're producing so much talent and they give they make me sweat watching them whenever they play us terrifying yeah i I think i'd watch out for finland they got a couple dynamic players over there it's like slowly look at the last couple years yeah patrick line kapanen aho uh ranton yeah rantanen like they're producing some NHL like phenomenal elite players so that's a team that's really come out of nowhere well moving on from world juniors I just want to quickly discuss the NHL all-star game because again this is another big spectacle in the NHL and and just in sports in general so the 2019 all-star fan voting captaincies have been announced and um, Austin Matthews is captain of the Atlantic 
Ovechkin Metro, McKinnon the Central, and McDavid the Pacific. Now, saying all those names, who is the biggest surprise here, and who is the biggest snub that has not been named? Uh, the biggest surprise, I guess, has to be Matthews, given the fact that he missed a month. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the stats are incredible, but would you go with a Tavares instead? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Who has the I, same stats in more games? Like, it's like you could even like it doesn't even have to be a leaf. Like the shit that we have seen with Kucherov. That's I just totally forgot about. Like you gotta you gotta you gotta even maybe put Kucherov in there because like he's got fifty seven and thirty seven. He's he also has Ranton in like numbers and he's getting better every season. It's not like he's slowing down or you know just getting eighty five every year. Like he went from. 60 to 70 to 85 to 100 and now he's on pace for like 120 oh my so i i love austin matthews he's he's definitely one of the best goal scorers in the game but after missing 14 games in a crucial part of doing all the fan voting and leading up to the all-star game i would not have him captain the atlantic division especially with you have guys like Tavares who've been great mitch martyrs now at 50 points Kucherov, like I said, he isn't slowing down. Oh, Pasternak. Pasternak. Bergeron's at 33 points in like 21 games. Morgan Riley. A lot, yeah. There's a lot of guys there. I mean, but yeah, Austin Matthews, I agree. How about you, Alino? Yeah, I think Austin Matthews. Like I, I would have gone with either Tavares, uh, even Kucherov. Stamkos, a lot of people are saying he's a snub, but he hasn't been as good as Kucherov, in my opinion. Like I think even Braden Point's been better than Stamkos to me. Like, But... Yeah, Marner is even up there than Matthews, too, on that ranking. But Matthews has that fanfare about him, and he is one of the best. And if he continues to play and not get injured, he is an all-star. So it's good to have him in there. I mean, another snub for me, I hate to say it, is Sidney Crosby because I love Ovechkin. He's at 29 goals. This is going to be the third time in four years that he's captained the Metro Division and when I hear the third time in four years captaining the Metro Division over Sidney Crosby, who over the last four years has not been injury prone. So you got to think of that. He has not captained an All-Star game. In the last four years, he's only done it once. Doesn't he elect not to go, though, most years? I think that was before, though, like before the like before uh, 2015. Because, like, I'm trying to think back. And I don't remember seeing him there that often. Yeah. <laughs> he had that concussion, then he had another concussion, and they then he didn't even make the roster one year. And then everybody started getting injured, and then uh, he he's like, I don't, yeah. he's like, I don't want to go. Like, I'm not going. It. Yeah, no. But yeah, like you, you can't, you can't not talk about Sidney Crosby not being in there because he's been the best player for me since 2000, I don't know, 2006, 2005, whenever, whenever he came in the league. But you gotta love Ovi. He's got the he's got the he's got the character in him to to you know make it entertaining. He's got the he's got the stats. He's got the resume. Stanley, coming up a Stanley Cup win, so that's good. Nathan McKinnon. I don't have to say a lot about him. I was telling Pinello earlier. He's arguably a top three player in the league since the last. I think I'd say the last calendar year. I'm pretty sure he has the most points out of any player. More than McDavid. Yes, more than. Connor McDavid and then obviously we go to the Pacific for the third straight year Connor McDavid obviously captaining that team I don't see anybody really taking it from him anytime soon so 
I mean, who do you guys think is going to be the best team out of all of them? You have the Atlantic, the Metro, the Central Pacific. Who do you think is going to be the best? I got to probably say Metro or the Atlantic. I think the East just has better players in the West. What are your thoughts on that? My initial thought was the Atlantic. I'm just picturing Matthews, Pasternak, and Riley to start off that three-on-three OT. Yeah, I'm going either Atlantic <laughs> or Metro because you have Crosby, Ovechkin, probably Phil or Malkin. And then after the Atlantic, you have Matthews. Eichel will probably make it this year. Skinner, he's been playing amazing. Uh, Stamkos and Kucherov. So. It's the so, youth movement in the yeah. Atlantic. Another team that like I, I feel is very is like I, I think the Metro could be the best team. You have Cro- just Crosby and Ovi on a team is just terrifying. And then you have a guy like a Seth Jones on defense. And then like I don't know who the goalie would be. Would it be like Bobrovsky or he's picking it up Holtby yeah. or I, I don't I have no idea. Yeah. I know I know the goalies in the Metro are all over the place. They're inconsistent. Holtby Murray, you know Lundqvist like Lundqvist won't make it, but. That's basically all I have to kind of say about the All-Star game because, like, it's still kind of far away and there's still a lot of voting. When is it usually? Uh, I think it's early February, late January. But um, I'm, I'm very happy to see McKinnon captain um, his division. I think he, over the last couple of years, I will even say this, I didn't give him enough love. I thought he was a great player. I didn't think he was the superstar that he's become. I know Pinello... He was all over that from day one. I like. I remember the first year when we saw him in the playoffs. He looked like a freak. He had like 12 in his first four playoff games, which is stupid. But then over the years, you know, the team that he played with was just god awful, and he 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 had to carry it. And the stats weren't there, and he was like a minus 20 something. And it's like, okay, is this guy really this good? Like, is he a first overall pick? And then all of a sudden, the last two years, we basically seen him go from a good player to a flat-out superstar and even maybe a generational talent. So I'm really happy to see McKinnon headline the Central Division. And um, he's probably going to be headlining the All-Star game for years to come. I mean, you talk about the youth movement now being three of the four captains. How much has this youth movement taken effect since the – What's that called? The tournament. Remember the the North American team? Oh, uh, the World Cup. The World yeah, Cup. Yeah. Because I feel like like after that tournament, what we saw from Team North America, it's like this team right here is basically the best players that we're gonna see in the next five six years in the show, and it's crazy to think that they're already they're headlining All Star games and all that, and you're only 21 years of age. Like it's crazy. It's the yeah the next crop of guys. But you look at the you go to NHL.com. You go to the leading the league in points, and it's pretty much all these young guys under 25. So that's the way the game's heading. It's awesome. I mean, we talked about it last week. You go from your prime being 28 to now your prime potentially being 21, wow. which is <laughs> it's it's crazy to think. But that's that's basically all I have to think on uh, the NHL right now. But other than that, guys, like I just want to quickly because it's the end of 2018. I just want to point out through all the year, the whole year. What was your favorite moment in the NHL from January till now? I'm going to go with uh, July 1st, 2018. John Tavares is a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs because that signaled that this team's not playing around anymore. Kyle Dubas is going up. He's not this little young kid coming up saying, all right, I'm going to trade with you guys, uh, maybe develop in a few years. No, he wants that cup right now, his first year. He told Lou Lamarillo basically take a hike. He sent him... uh, Leo Komarov in exchange. 
here, take him off our hands, and then we'll get John Tavares, their captain. So Tavares is a leaf. I'll stick with the same team because, yeah, I'm cheesy like that. The uh, offensive emergence of Morgan Riley. We are seeing him become a number one defenseman. Depends who you talk to. He's uh, He's been unbelievable, so... Yeah, mow the whole show. For me, I'm going to go with the emergence and the impact of the rookies that come up right off the bat. We've seen rookies make impacts, but I feel like there haven't been rookies like Barzell and Pedersen that I've seen come in this league and be like, you know what, this is like the best you have to offer. Like I'm basically running the show here. And another, another person that I have to bring up is just the emergence of McKinnon and what he's done this whole calendar year is just stupid. It's crazy. But, I mean, the best storyline, hands down, for me in the NHL has to be the whole unpredictability of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I never thought I would see Washington face an expansion team in the Stanley Cup final. Didn't see that coming at all. Flurry was fantastic. Ovi was fantastic. Guys like William Carlson and March Assault were just simply fantastic. They would, you know, they would set the pace right off the bat. They beat teams like San Jose because of that. And like another great example of predict- unpredictability was finally seeing Washington take down Pittsburgh because that had to happen eventually. And it finally happened. So that's all I have to say about the NHL. Up next, we're going to quickly discuss the NBA. And, um,. You know what? I just want to start off by saying what a win last night by the Raptors. I mean, they were down by 20 going into the second or going into yeah, going in the second half. And we just see the emergence and the duo of Kawhi and Kyle take over. Just what are your thoughts on those two when they are hot? Because they are unstoppable. I think they're great. They really build off defensively off each other. Like Kyle and DeMar, they were more offensive because DeMar... We'll get a lot of more of his points driving to the basket and getting the free throws. And then Kyle would have to shoot the three because there'd be guys struggling around him. And I think now with Kawhi Leonard, he's really picked it up. He's the best two-way game player in the game, in my opinion. He does so well off- offensively when he has a ball, creating plays for guys like Danny Green to shoot the three. And then you can rely on him to just track back and make the play defensively. So... I think uh, there's big things ahead for this team, and I'm looking forward to Kawhi just continuing on. Another quick thing I want to bring up is this is the first time that they've played together, Lowry and Leonard, since December 9th when um, when they lost to Milwaukee at home. So it's been eight games since then. So it was great to see both of them on the court together. And we all know that these two guys are unreal. Um, they have the unreal chemistry right off the bat. I mean, I remember... At the beginning of the year when Kyle Lowry was kind of worried that they wouldn't have the best chemistry. And obviously that is false because they've been tearing it up. But another thing that I also want to bring up is Christmas Day. And Christmas Day is a big part of the NBA because that's basically the only um, that's all, the only sports industry that basically or the sports league that plays on Christmas Day. And I just want to bring up that um, the first place team did not play the Raptors. Yeah. They did not play on Christmas Day. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, th- Pinello, I want to just even ask you this because this is my opinion on this. I think they really missed an opportunity, the NBA. There was a big trade in July. Kawhi Leonard for DeRozan. That was a big package. They haven't played each other yet, San Antonio and Toronto. Why would you not have these two teams play each other on the most highly built-up day of the year, Christmas Day games? So you had Toronto, San Antonio, Kawhi versus DeMar. Put that at like the 8 p.m. slot, the 10 p.m. slot. 
it would have done huge ratings for the NBA. And uh, yeah, Pinello, I think they missed an opportunity there. Like, would you, would you watch that as like for, for me? It's such an easy one. Like, regardless of Demar and all that and the trade, no hockey's on that day. It's all of Canada basically watching one team. Doesn't that make like how many teams <laughs> get that spot? Like six. I would say I, there was. I think there were. I think five games. But like the teams that like usually play are like the Houston Rockets because they got the star power. The Lakers, the Warriors, the Thunder. To me, you're getting so much more viewership if you put the yeah. Raps in there. You got you have the whole country there, and it. To me, that yeah, I, I'm definitely having the Raps play on Christmas Day every year. I mean, like again. I'm not trying to discredit any team or the talent, but I watched basically – I was at my nuns. I watched the whole Bucks and Knicks game, and it was not even a contest. It wasn't close. I, I love the Knicks. I love the franchise. You know, they're historic. But when you look at this game, it's like you don't have Porzingis playing. You have no star power here. Your best player is a rookie in Kevin Knox. Like you're going up against – okay, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the big star in this whole game, and it's at MSG, and it's a big deal. But at the end of the day, I think they lost by like 17 and they were down by like 25 at half and Giannis dropped 30 points and 12 rebounds or something like that. But like just imagine instead of the Knicks, it's the Raptors versus the Bucks. Like that's just way better. And like, again, imagine how good this would have been. You would have had OKC and Houston. That was a great game. The Lakers and the Warriors. That was an OK game. I'll get into that later. Yeah. And then you potentially could have had the Bucks. And the Raps, and then you even had the Sixers take on the Celtics in a game that went to overtime, and that was exciting. So this would have been one of the best Christmas Day NBA, um, you know, series that I've seen in a while. But they screwed it up, I think, by putting the Knicks in there just because of their historic history with their whole franchise. I just, I, to me, it still puzzles me in how they do the scheduling. I have no idea how they do it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean. I guess a lot of fans they want to see Giannis. They want to see. They still want to see the historic franchises over, like I guess the Raptors. I I don't know. I mean, it's tough to tell. But at the end of the day, I'm just very very shocked that again, like you said, you have a whole nation behind one team. There's only one Canadian team, and you don't put them on Christmas Day. It's mind boggling to me. Like and 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 to top it all off, you have potentially three superstars on the team. One of them obviously is injured, JV. You even have Serge Ibaka playing the best of his career. Kyle Lowry has been one of the best Raptors of all time since coming to the Raptors. And you have obviously Kawhi Leonard, who is an MVP candidate. Like, how do you not play this team? I don't get it. It's it's crazy to me. I have no idea. But I can go on about this all day. I just want to quickly discuss the Laker and Warriors game. Something huge happened in this one. LeBron James injuring his groin um he uh, tried stealing the ball he fell and uh, he basically said to the trainer i felt a pop and we find out that he actually hurt his groin apparently it might be a groin strain so we've seen with guys like jonathan quick in the nhl a groin strain is something that you it's it's a very serious injury you could be out for i could say three months Right now, they're saying just several games. I don't know what that means. That could mean a month. That could mean two weeks. It means don't panic. <laughs> yeah. It's LeBron James. Where, what does this mean for the Lakers and their future and just their whole season in general? 
means a lot of the young guys there are going to have to pick it up. I know Kuzma's having a pretty solid year, but they're going to have to get a lot more out of Lonzo Ball and others. What yeah. do you think? <laughs> I think it's That's time for LeVar to get back to the sidelines. Now that LeBron's out of the way, it's time for the big baller brand to take over. I think Lonzo Ball is going to pick up that ball. You know, get that pun in there. And I think he's going to – this is his chance now because he saw him play with LeBron. They played okay together. Like, I like the way they create plays. Like, Lonzo Ball can play off him better than I think uh, Irving did because Irving's more of a scorer. Lonzo's more of a playmaker. So, I think now with Lonzo being in control, we're going to see what he's really made of and how much he's really developed in the last year. Uh, now, moving on to the All-Star game. We, we just talked about the NHL and the captains and all that. Obviously, in the NBA, there's I don't think there are any captains, I'm pretty sure. Last oh, yeah, year, this la- year they're doing the draft. Yeah, but are there any captains, though? Because I remember last year it was LeBron. Who, who was the other captain? Was it LeBron and Curry? Yeah, yeah it was Team Curry. Curry versus Team LeBron. If they do that again, that's great, but I would just do West East versus West. That's my opinion. I've always liked that. But... There's been a lot of new faces that have come up, and they've basically improved a shit ton. Like we've seen guys like Zach Levine come become a scoring threat. Vucevic this year for Orlando has been a monster. You have obviously Simmons, Tatum, all those guys. So who do you guys think is going to make their first All Star game? Like you think there's numerous guys? You think there's one guy? You think any of these guys start? I'm seeing a lot of. Uh, I don't know if he'll make it, but I'm seeing a lot of Luka Doncic lately. Yeah, I'm with him on that. Luka Doncic has to make it for me. I mean, I love Luka Doncic. I love him. I think he. I think he's a lock to make the team because Dallas. They don't really have a lot of guys. They have DeAndre Jordan, but he's not scoring. They have Dirk Nowitzki, who just came back from injury, and Dennis Smith Jr. has been a flat out disappointment. So yeah, Doncic to me. It's funny because only three rookies over the last twenty years have made the NBA All Star game. You all guys want to hear these names? You have Blake Griffin. Yao Ming and Tim Duncan. Those are the only three in the last 20 years that have made the NBA All-Star Game as a rookie. And it's crazy to think that LeBron James is not in that. And now we're seeing Luka Doncic, who is probably... I think he's going to make it. I think it's a lock. And it's it's crazy because he is on pace to add to that list. And it's crazy because basically a lot of people have put him in the MVP race because... Dallas has been looked at as a team that should not make the playoffs, especially in the West. And right now, I think they're in a playoff position. So I would put him as, as an MVP candidate. Yeah, I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's tough. I, I, it's I know, tough. I know it's, it's tough. tough. I know it's tough. Over Kawhi and, uh, like, I don't know. I, that's tough. But, yeah, I see where you're going. He has been amazing. He has to be in the All-Star game, I think. Like, no matter what happens, just on the year he's had, you have to put him in there. I'm going to go off the board and say um, I think De'Aaron Fox deserves it the most out of any first-time player because he's just killing it in L.A. or in Sacramento, in L.A. <laughs> in, Sacramento, <laughs> in Sacramento, he's killing it. Uh, right now, he's top 10 in assists. He's just a he's just a big uh, – he's a, he's a dominant player. You know, he changes the game when he's out there. He's improved guys like uh, Collie Stein and uh, Marvin Bagley and that guy Bailitza or whatever his name is. Yeah. So, I mean, De'Aaron Fox is a guy that I think he should also make the NBA All-Star game. But, I mean, I, I love all the new faces. I mean, this is kind of a year where it's like, is it also a youth movement in like in the NBA? Like, I'm kind of seeing that in Doncic yeah, and bit. Bagley and Fox and Jokic and all these new guys. Like, they're coming up and they're basically just killing it. And obviously there's 
Simmons and Tatum and all those guys. So the NBA All-Star game should be exciting. I mean, I have no idea like who the better team is. I have no idea if the West is going to be better than the East, probably because the West has always been looked at as the superior. But I mean, I don't know, man. Like it's tough because you have Kawhi in the East, you have Giannis in the East, you have Oladipo in the East, you have Embiid in the East, you have Irving in the East. So I mean, the East is a pretty good team. So this this basically brings me to my last question that I have is who deserves the All-Star start more? Because I know these two guys have been really, really famous in in the all-star fan voting is Kyle Lowry and Kyrie Irving. Out of these two point guards, who do you think deserves to start more? If it's not yeah. Kemba Walker or someone else, I'm gonna. Unfortunately, I'm gonna have to go with Kyrie Irving. <laughs> As the Raptor fans, yeah, that's Kyrie yeah. Irving. I'm gonna it's go with Irving too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they'll even put two Raptors in. To be honest, one's enough for them. We saw what, like, I think Kyle and DeMar did one year, but I think they're just going to keep it at one. Just, and you think it's going to be Kawhi? Yeah, it has to be. So so where do you put Giannis then? Power forward in the game? Yeah. Because, Powerful. like, I don't, I don't or know. Or they might put, imagine point guard. That'd be funny. <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would be pretty funny. But, again, out of, out of, anything, out of every storyline in the NBA that we've seen over the last year, like I talked about in the NHL, what has been your most surprising or favorite moment of 2018 in the NBA? It's a tough one. This is the last question I have. This and is then tough. this is it. I'm cutting it off. This is tough. There's been a lot in the NBA. The one I really hate the most, actually, is DeMarcus Cousins going to Golden State. Oh, I think that's absolutely my. horrible. It's stupid that they even allow that. They vetoed uh, Chris Paul to the Lakers straight a few years ago because they don't want him and Kobe playing together. So I find it like ironic that they make DeMarcus Cousins just go in on a minor league exemption. Uh, one thing that I really liked was the Raptors actually going for Kawhi. I like the Rosen, but trading for a guy like that, who's like you're never going to get a guy like that to come as a free agent, but if you can trade for him, that is a big step forward for the Raptors. I'm going to have to stick with the, the hometown here with my limited basketball knowledge. <laughs> So, yeah, just the, the Raps in general, just uh, continuing to be one of the best teams in the league. That's I think I think my favorite part of 2018 was basically seeing Cleveland go to the finals because, like, LeBron had, like, nobody. He literally had nobody. And this is where you talk about debating, uh, is he the best player ever? And when you look at what he did this year and even in 2016 – like, yeah, like, LeBron is probably the best player I've ever seen play. And, like, my dad, I remember I was talking to him a couple days ago. He's, like, oh, he's comparing Jordan and LeBron and Larry Bird and all these other guys. And it's like, Dad, like, out of all the guys that I've seen play, like, I've actually watched with my own eyes, LeBron James is by far the best player. Like, I'd say four years ago, like, Kobe and LeBron was, like, it was a, it was a hard topic for debate for me. But now, like, the last three playoffs that I've seen LeBron with Cleveland, like, it's it's crazy. And I think he's one of the greatest players of all time. And just, I think that whole story with him going to the finals, I know they got swept by Golden State. But just, he was scratching and claw. He went to the finals and he had nobody. Like, literally nobody. Kevin Love was injury prone. Um, who was the point guard there? It was George Hill. Like, their team was just not good. And just seeing them go to the finals come up short but just what LeBron did just for the whole NBA was just fantastic so I think it was the year of LeBron in 2018 even though they came up short which 
Also brings me to one of the moves that I did not like and I hated actually was LeBron going to LA. I didn't I I don't think it's great for the game. I mean, I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, it, it's it brings competition in the Western Conference." It does. It makes the East kind of more wide open, which is good. But I I didn't like LeBron going to LA. I think him going to the West is not the best move for him. And um, I think that's definitely gonna make him not reach six rings. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna match MJ now because of that move. So. So I guess you don't ship Davis going to to the Lakers then. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Like if if Davis ends up in LA, then maybe he can win his six rings. But I again with this whole Warriors dynasty, I just don't see that happening. So it's it's tough to see. But anyways, guys, that is it for this week on. In the zone, we talked about basically year, the whole year in 2018, our favorite moments. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. So guys, tune in uh, next week, next Thursday on iTunes, SoundCloud, MixCloud. Alino, hit him with the, hit him with the big news. Yes. New Year's Day. All episodes <laughs> will be on YouTube. Uploading Woo! that up. We're going to fire it up there. And yeah, look our account. You can follow us, ITZ underscore podcast on Facebook, ITZ podcast. And look for the links to pop up. Thanks, guys. That's everything for this week. See you soon.